Hello, and welcome to Innovation Inequality, a podcast bringing inequities in tech to the forefront through candid conversations with founders, investors, and stakeholders. I'm Ray Leach, the founding CEO of Jumpstart, a full-service venture capital and economic development firm helping to unlock the full potential of entrepreneurship. Today, Jumpstart's Lamont Mackley talks to WKYC news anchor Russ Mitchell about the conditions creating inequities in entrepreneurship and what an inclusive innovation economy might look like. I'm Russ Mitchell with WKYC-TV, and today I'm talking to Lamont Mackley, the Chief Inclusion and Outreach Officer at Jumpstart. In the next half hour or so, we're going to take a look at how an equitable tech economy is tied to innovative growth throughout the country and right here in Cleveland. Lamont, how are you today? I am doing fine, Russ. Thank you uh, for having me on this particular podcast. I very much appreciate it. It is a pleasure to be with you today. Now, before we get any further, you have got a fascinating background. Before we get into the nitty gritty here, <laughs> you've been a bank president. Uh, you're a lawyer. You're now uh, heading an office of inclusion. Take us through your background. How did you get to where you are right now? Well, I guess my story started. I'm from the Washington, D.C. area. Um, I grew up in the um, 50s, 60s, 70s, right in the middle of the civil rights uh, movement. Um, And I was surrounded by uh, very activist people in my life and in my family. Um, And they encouraged me to uh, get engaged and involved in the social uh, orders of the day and social issues of the day, and uh, also encouraged me to get an education. Uh, I thought coming through high school and uh, graduating high school that I would go on uh, to college and become a lawyer, and I pursued that. And about halfway through law school, I kind of decided that the law really wasn't something that I wanted to do in terms of a practice. I really wanted to do something that would have more impact, economic impact, Turns out that um, I had been working in a bank and got the opportunity to be in an internship uh, program in in a larger bank there in the D.C. area, Uh, and I did that. At the same time, I did finish my law school. Um, I got my law degree. I was encouraged to do that. One of the better decisions that I made uh, in the process of, of getting my education, and it absolutely helped me as it related to my banking career. It allowed me basically to go from, you know, the famous drive-in teller all the way to the president of a bank. And uh, I actually had the very good fortune to be president of uh, four banks uh, in various different locations in the United States. And these banks were community development banks, which were really specializing in using a regulatory uh, banking um, to, in fact, have some type of community impact in, in areas that were underbanked, if you will. Um, and so uh, I had the privilege of, of doing that and, and making that happen. And that led me to Cleveland and eventually to Jumpstart. And I got the honor and, and privilege of learning a lot more about um, equity engagement and how that financing instrument can uh, can change a person's life uh, in terms of uh, innovation, a tech innovation, being backed by venture capital money and and then creating an opportunity for people. So that's 
something I've learned here at Jumpstart and been involved in that process. Yep. Like I said, it's a fascinating background, and here you are today helping people get into the uh, crazy tech world. When, yes. we talk about, when we talk about tech equity, kind of take me through that. Where are we at this point, and what are we talking about exactly? So tech equity basically is an opportunity to uh, you come up with some type of innovation, some type of disruptive technology that is new and innovative. And you are now developing that technology, but you need uh, risk capital in order for that technology to be developed, which means that it's not like a normal kind of business where you know that you can have some outcomes It's not a restaurant where if you have to serve the right kind of food, people are going to uh, purchase that food and you're going to have a great business. This is a technology that hasn't been tested yet. This is a technology that you think and believe that if you develop it the correct way, it in fact is going to be a big success. So you have to have backers with capital money who are going to be equity partners, owners with you to develop that technology. And there's no guarantee that that technology will be a winner. So you're getting money, big money, to support an idea or an opportunity. Now, the good news is if it really is a disruptive technology, if it's something that is unique and special and that it serves a great purpose in our world, in our economy, then you can make a lot of money being involved in that. And the investors will make a lot of money in being involved in that. Let me ask you this, though. You could have the best idea in the world. Let's just say for the sake of the discussion, I've got the best idea in the world and I, and I bring it to you. Just how, how tough of an industry is this to crack for anybody to break into? It's tough. It's tough for anybody to break into uh, because you've got to find the, the lane for how, number one, it gets validated that it, in fact, is a good opportunity. But then you also have to find those backers, backers that are going to support you and help you because you probably don't know everything about your invention. So you need other parties to come in to bring you expertise and help you with that. You've got to validate it. So you need partners that are going to help you validate it. You've got to have believers. You've got to have people in there with you, working with you, that believe that this opportunity is a disruptive and innovative uh, opportunity. And then, and this is the biggest piece, you've got to have capital backers that, in fact, uh, believe in the idea and can attract not only their money, but attract others to put money into the idea and the development of the idea. So it's tough. You need lots of money is what I, what I hear you tell, <laughs> yes. tell me a lot. <laughs> well, going back to your job now, and again, before we move on to, to the equity portion of this, how do you help me? If I come to you, how do you help me in your job right now? How do you help me get from point A to point B and beyond? Well, I work at Jumpstart now as a chief inclusion and outreach officer. So my main job is to make sure that these opportunities to get involved with the tech economy and tech opportunities Uh, venture capital opportunities are available to African-American and Latinx, uh, diverse populations, females, uh, have the opportunity to be engaged in in this industry. What people at Jumpstart do is adding the expertise. We're putting uh, the pieces around this entrepreneur, this idea that allows this entrepreneur to develop the the opportunity. Yeah. Lamont, at this point, how would you describe the state's of minorities in the tech community? Long way to go? What phrase would you use? I would use long way to go. 
absolutely long way to go. The representation has improved over the last few years for women entrepreneurs, and I say improved, it's 10% involved in the tech economy or tech innovations. However, for African Americans, it's uh, uh, under 2%. And for Latinx Americans, it's under 2%. And uh, quite frankly, that's not acceptable. And we have got to create the opportunities. We've got to make the connections. We've got to make populations aware of, of what is going on relative to the tech economy, the opportunity to take a, a innovation, an idea, and turn it into something that has value. And, and quite frankly, can change your economic legacy for yourself and your family going forward. When it comes to the, the answer, the question of why, those numbers are so low in the black and Latino communities. You mentioned awareness. Any other factors out there? Yeah, I think African-Americans and uh, Latinx communities have not been introduced to uh, this possibility. Um, you can go back to in a lot of institutional scenarios, particularly around systemic racism, where the institutions would not let you in. They were certainly weren't being invited to be engaged. Uh, we're talking about industries like sports industry and the entertainment industry, the medical industry, education industry, uh, all of these great industries. At some point in time, they were blocking and they weren't intentionally engaging with diverse populations and inviting them in. And we know that the diverse populations have talent. Uh, they have um initiatives, uh, they have ideas, they have innovations in the case we're talking about uh, technology, but they haven't been allowed to be exposed to these opportunities. And and how do you get in, as I call it, how do you get in the game? How do you get an opportunity to be a part of it? What do we have to do to expose? What do we have to do to share knowledge? What do we have to do to share uh, the educational process and, and speaking of educational process, a, a big piece of the tech economy is built around this whole idea of education and being exposed to the schools that will provide you with those types of insights and educational opportunities. There are a lot of ways to go here, as, you, as, you, as you're mentioning there, and a lot of lot of possible rewards, not only for the, the individual, but let's talk about the community. What would it mean for the community, for the black and Latino communities, if those numbers get better, if there is more tech business in those in those communities. Well, well, Russ, I'll just explain it uh, explain it this way. We use Ohio for for a moment as illustration. So Ohio really f started out as a agricultural industry. That's where its base was around agriculture. Then over the years, it started to turn into uh, an industrial base. Uh, we had lots of factories, and we still do, lots of factories and um, lots of uh, industries like the steel industry and the auto industry and et cetera. But things have changed again. And the new change is around technology. And so the state has recognized that they have to be in this path of developing companies that are focused around new technologies. That's the new wave. So if you go back, as I said, agriculture is still a big player in Ohio. Certainly, industry is still here. Industrial base is still here in Ohio. But if you do not create an atmosphere where we are driving uh, our population and opportunities for businesses that are involved in tech, 
you are going to be out of the game, if you will, as a state, as a region, as a city, which means that then your population who is living in this these areas will not be exposed to the opportunities that uh, this industry has for them. So you lose what? Jobs and opportunities for your state to grow from an economic perspective. So we have to be aggressive about the new opportunities and encouraging those opportunities because the new day has come. We're in a tech economy and we have to be uh, embracing that economy if we're going to attract talent, if we're going to be a leader as it relates to great lifestyles, if we're going to have economic growth, we've got to be concerned about that and be encouraging the opportunity for innovative people and innovative ideas to be born right here in our community. When we talk about Cleveland specifically, uh, Lamont, are, are, we, are we further behind? Uh, are, are government agencies, or I know what Jumpstart is doing, I know what you're doing. Are other agencies coming in to help, help uh, I guess, bridge this divide in many ways? Yes, I think that we, quite frankly, Jumpstart is a beneficiary of uh, a state initiative called the Third Frontier, which is really focused on figuring out how to engage in the uh, technology and innovation and to finance that, create funds that would support these entrepreneurs and create uh, opportunities around new technology. And the reason it's important, as I said before, those companies, as they grow and as these disruptive technologies take off, they create jobs, they create opportunities. So it's very important uh, that a state, for example, get involved, which in this case Ohio did. But it's also important, and we have seen, that local communities do the same thing. So the city of Cleveland, uh, the county uh, government, all of these institutions have to be involved in pushing forth the agenda of, of technology and supporting this uh, tech economy in order for us to be successful. The other big thing that would happen in this regard, and we're starting to see this around the United States, is that as these technologies develop and they turn into companies, they become employers, opportunities for people to get good paying jobs so you're creating opportunities because you're creating new companies, not old companies that are sort of losing their way, uh, but new companies that are cracking into our into our society. Uh, it sounds like also these could become in some ways, uh, if, if the world <laughs> changes and things get to the point where you're saying they need to be, these could almost be the new cornerstones of the community. Absolutely. And and that's why, to that point, that's why we have to make sure that everybody's invited into these opportunities. Opportunities for African-American, Latinx, and, and females to be involved and engage with it in a in a real way. And you, you asked earlier, too, you know, this impact can be powerful on a, a community or a neighborhood that typically is an African-American neighborhood or community. Because as those individuals are employed and engaged in this tech economy, their opportunity to grow their wealth goes up. Their opportunity to get a better education goes up. If African-American community, females, the Latinx community is left out of that, we're going to be way, way behind and it's going to be a worse situation for our neighborhoods in that case. Yeah, you talked about awareness and other things. It, it's actually, when you, when you think about it, to a lot of people, I think it's it's intimidating to to try to go into a business like that, it, like this, the, the tech 
tech industry. In your job, how do you diffuse that intimidation? How do you tell people that this is something you should try? You deserve as much of a swing at this as anybody else. Yes, and you hit another major challenge. And I'll just say that that is the case because you're probably talking to somebody. Let's say we're talking to an African-American that has an innovative idea, and but they need the resources that a jumpstart or another organization may have uh, in order to move this forward. But you know what the biggest thing is going to be? It's trust. How do I know who to trust? Because I've got this invention. I've got this idea. I've got this, this very precious thing. And now I've got to share it with others who are going to be intimately involved in it, who might at some point steal it from me. And you know that, of course, our history, our history being African-American, the history as it relates to Latinx, the history as it relates to a lot of women, they haven't had trusted relationships uh, from a historic perspective. And so we, we, we have trouble convincing a lot of entrepreneurs, minority entrepreneurs, to actually trust the system. And when I, when I say it myself, you, you, can, you can feel it. I mean, okay, you're asking me, Lamont, to trust the system. Even now, as you know, Russ, we're, we're having a lot of people who are talking about the vaccines. And, of course, a number of the areas that have been a concern is getting people to take the vaccines in the minority communities. And that's what is that? That's a trust issue because of the history. So it's the same thing. Our job, in my case, from the tech perspective, is to convince, to in fact trust, because the outcome, if if we can get through that, the outcome and the impact and the opportunity, particularly from a wealth building perspective, would be absolutely great. The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast. You used a phrase earlier I want to get back to. Disruptive technology. Uh, tell me, tell me what would be considered a disruptive technology? Uh, a disruptive technology is a technology that comes along that, in fact, changes the game. Everybody ne- all of a sudden needs it. It is something that is, you know, almost uh, a technology that you cannot live without. The cell phone, uh, let's think 30 years back and think about what's happening with that piece of technology today. 30 years ago, we didn't have anything like that. And now we have it, and it's like everybody has to have one. I was just telling my wife the other day, I went into a retail establishment, and I was waiting actually to get my order. We ordered some food, and I was waiting to get my order filled. And I looked around, and I counted the number of people that were in the store. And then I looked at everybody who had a cell phone. And not just a cell phone in their hand, they were using it, <laughs> you know. But I counted 22 people in the, in the store and 19 of them were actively involved with the cell phone. That technology changed the game. I can be in constant communication. I can play a game that, that I would have to be, normally I would have maybe been at home playing that game. I can be in my car and still communicating. <laughs> 
That's a disruptive technology. Now, people will argue, is that good or bad? I, <laughs> I'm not trying to <laughs> determine that issue. But the technology itself changed the game of how human beings interact with others. Let me give you one other one that's real relevant to today. Think about the fact that had we not had um, a technology like Zoom or a technology like Teams in the, what's going on with the pandemic where we can't be physically connected and Zoom came along and now has created a piece of technology that allows us to at least communicate, not physically, but we can at least see each other. That's a game-breaking piece of technology at a period of time in our history where we can't really physically get together. It's a game changer. Certainly. Disruptive technology, game changer. I got it down. That's great. I was thinking about it the other day. I look at my, my, my grandfather. It, you know, it may have been the car, the airplane. You know, my father it was television. Uh, for people today, it's the cell phone and whatever, what comes out of that. So I, I understand what you're saying. Okay, going back to my original question before I was going to ask you this, and you mentioned the pandemic. And when I think of, of people being intimidated to enter this field, but they have great ideas, have you found that this particular time in history has been ripe for these kind of inventions? You, you mentioned Zoom. Uh, uh, I, I wonder if, if I'm out there and I have an idea and I want to, I, it's my goal to come up with something. At this time in history, unfortunately, in this pandemic, hopefully coming out of it, it, it how, how ripe a time is this for me to develop something that could be a game changer? I have no inside knowledge on this at all. But as I think about the fact that the vaccine was created in what would normally take years to get vaccines out of the medical industry, I think about all of the technology that was probably used in creating that medicine and pushing that medicine through the process to get it uh, approved and to get it distributed even. I'm positive that technology was a big piece innovative technology, we haven't even seen it yet, that is going to be on the scene later down the road. This is one of those situations that, you know, two plus two equals four because you have to figure these things out. And it, it forces different pieces of understanding to kind of come together to create an opportunity to create something and have impact. Now, in the case of Zoom, which is very interesting, and this is another reason why when you invent technology, you have to always be there to see it through. So Zoom was already successful. It, it, this technology, this platform, this opportunity to get people together, people were having meetings on Zoom a lot. And they were a successful company, profitable company. But the pandemic took them to another level of success. Everybody wasn't exposed to the technology. Everybody didn't know about it. In fact, there probably were a lot of people, and sometimes they accuse the older generation of this, of which I now find myself in, <laughs> of, oh, I'm not going to mess with that. I don't need to be on. I don't want to be on that. All of a sudden, you're using it. All of a sudden, you have to use it. And all of a sudden, oh, it's not so bad. It's just pretty good. I think the other thing this has taught us, and this is just from, from my vantage point, Lamont, uh, you tell me what you think about it, is it's also uh, made us realize the importance of, of innovating, even if you already have a successful product. I can remember before the pandemic, uh, Skype was the uh, 
was the communication vehicle of choice for many operations. Now so many people use Zoom, which a lot of people had never heard before. That's exactly so when, right. So when you're talking about in, in inventing something, coming up with something, it's the, the innovation part seems to me to be a, as much a part of the process as anything else these days. Absolutely. I'll give you another one that you and I probably know a lot about, and that is the TV. TV came out. It was a great event. Oh, my goodness. People sitting around the TV, black and white. Wow. Nothing could be better. And then they came out with the color TV. And now they've come out with the next generation of TV. Uh, you need more innovation on top of innovation on top of innovation. Which brings me back to your job. Let's say I've come with this, you with this idea and I've got innovation. You've helped me line up resources. You've, you've helped me as part of the process and, and I'm moving forward. How much do you stay with me? How important is it that I have the guidance of a jumpstart, someone like you, as I move forward in my product, in developing my product? If you're looking at something that's going to come out on a, a on what we call a positive exit, because in a lot of cases, the companies are bought by others that then take the technology to the next level. So let's talk about it in terms of an exit. And by the way, the exit creates money for you. That's, that's that wealth building moment for, for a lot of entrepreneurs. But let's say it takes eight years. Jumpstart might be with you about five years of that journey. Because once we get you to a certain point, you're starting to get more investors involved and they start to become your board of directors. They start to become your, your guiding force. You're probably going to be hiring more people. You're going to get past where Jumpstart's a range of expertise and market sophistication is. So you're going to need um, additional resources around you other than Jumpstart. Jumpstart is really sort of the beginning of the journey and maybe uh, the middle piece of the journey for a lot of entrepreneurs. But once they are up and running, once they pass that validation stage, uh, he's going to attract attention not only nationally, maybe internationally. So he's going to grow beyond um, the capacity of a Jumpstart. And he's going to need more Jumpstart-like entities that specialize in maybe the industry that he's in. I want to get back to uh, what an equitable future may look like, and you address this. And it, well, I want to get back to that in just a moment. But, but let me ask you, Lamont, what, what's the best part of your job and what you do right now? You've had many jobs, many careers, as you say, over in, in your life. And uh, right now, what's, what's, the most, what's the best part about your job? The best part about my job is connecting people, helping people move along in the economy or economic systems to allow them from a business dream perspective uh, to keep that moving in a way that hopefully uh, has a economic change in their lives and in their family's lives and what I hope will be a legacy for that for that family. Um, that, that's when I see that happening, when when I'm involved in that process of helping somebody, uh, that really is, you know, what, what really gives me pleasure and, and is very satisfying. It goes back to something I had no idea was going to do this in a banking, you know, or a venture capital perspective. But um, my theme in my life is if I can help somebody as I pass along, then my living will not be in vain. I just didn't know that I would be doing this kind of thing that would allow them to, you know, one, two tips or some introduction or some opportunity to help them think something through uh, would be the way that I'd be doing it. And But I love it. And when it when it comes out in the other end and they're, they had a business up and running and they're successful down the road, wow, wow. Sounds incredibly rewarding. 
let me go back to what we talked about earlier, just as, as we uh, wrap this up and talk about what an equitable tech economy would mean for communities. Uh, what do you think the future would look like as hopefully this gap is bridged? Well, first of all, if we're not a part of it, if the minority community and equitable situations are not brought to bear, it would be disastrous. Assuming that happens, now we've got an opportunity in the tech economy to improve the lives dramatically of people individually, families, and communities in general. Because the amount of money and the opportunity and the growth potential for a technology to take off and to have its impact on a community is absolutely tremendous. Uh, Think of a company like Amazon. Its impact on our daily lives, its impact on all the communities where it's putting its um, delivery systems in, it's unbelievable in terms of what it's doing. So it can change, um, it can change the life of an individual, a family, uh, a community, a city, a county, a state. All of these innovations have tremendous opportunity economically, and and we've got to get, you know, African Americans and Latinx and female entrepreneurs all involved in this so they can have a piece of the pie, have a piece of the opportunity to grow and develop and to have a successful life. And Lamont is someone who is in the front line of this, who sees the frustrations, uh, who sees the success stories. How optimistic are you that things are going to get better? (laughs) Wow, boy, that's a loaded question. I am optimistic by nature. (laughs) The glass is always half full. Uh, I do have my moments, though, where I just say, oh, man, this doesn't look good. But I I realize that um, the journey um, is a longer journey than just even my life. And I realize that, you know, for whatever reason, uh, it might take a longer period of time to really solve and to have that day that uh, Martin Luther King was referring to in his dream when that basic dream comes true. So I, I realize that you know, I have a part to play in it. And if I believe that this is an opportunity, uh, if I believe that I have a role that I've been put on this earth uh, to do something positive uh, with this opportunity and the privilege that I've been given and the exposure that I've been given to pass on to others, then I ought to do that. And I ought to be optimistic about uh, what it could result in. Whether I'm there to see it in its total fruition or not, Um, I should do my part in pushing forward. So I'm staying optimistic. Well, that is fantastic. And if I am somebody who's hearing this and I've got a nugget of an idea, your best piece of advice for me would be what? Do your research. Get with some people that can start to help you. They may not have all the answers. Find an organization. Jumpstart is one of those organizations that um, specializes in helping businesses think their innovations through. Get on the journey. Be very strategic about how you're thinking about the journey. Learn as much as you possibly can. There's a lot to learn and a lot to understand. And then surround yourself with good people that can give you the insights you need to lead to uh, a successful conclusion or 
a conclusion that says maybe this is not the right idea. Maybe I should move on to another idea. It has been a pleasure talking to you, Lamont Mackley, Chief Inclusion and Outreach Officer at Jumpstart. Some great information there and some great advice as well. It looks like you really enjoy your job. Well, Russ, thank you for this opportunity. I appreciate it. And yes, I do enjoy my job because I just want to help people make their dreams come true. All right, Lamont. Once again, thank you. I'm Russ Mitchell from WKYC. Thanks so much for listening. We're fortunate to have Lamont's perspective included in this series, and even more fortunate to have his experience and passion here in Cleveland, helping us to strive toward a more open, honest, and equitable future. Thanks again to Russ Mitchell for leading this conversation today. And I'd like to thank you for listening to Innovation in Equality. Consider following wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you would, please rate and review the show. It really helps. Innovation in Equality is a production of Evergreen Podcasts. Thanks to our producer and audio engineer, Dave Douglas, and co-producer, Vicki McDonald.